Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Well, happy to welcome back to the show the head coach of the University of Montana men's basketball team, Travis DeCure. And coach, uh, a couple of things. First of all, welcome back to town. We know that you were, were uh, out back home in Seattle a little bit and got back, and you were there for very good reason. You welcomed in uh, the first grandbaby of the DeCure clan into, uh, into this world. Congratulations on that, man. That had to be, I mean, as, as exciting a day as you've had in a long time, right? No question. I appreciate it. Um... You know, children change lives, right? And um, to start the next generation, obviously, is a whole other perspective that you don't, there's no way you can prepare yourself for it. It's all excitement and you're grateful, um, you know, and it's fun watching the family grow. Now, I'm a dad, you're a dad, uh, but I'm a little ways off from being a granddad, presumably. So how different is that that moment to see, to, like you said, that next generation coming along now? Well, the buildup is huge, um, and, and then the moment comes and you never get enough. Um, and, you know, people always talk about, you know, with grandchildren, you, you can have all the fun with them and then pass them back when you're done. And the reality is, at least in the first few months, you don't want to give them back. Um, and, and so it's all fun. It's exciting. Right. Um, this is the fun part when it, you're not – the sole responsibility to their growth and who they become. You play a role, but it's not necessarily um, your job. Um, and so this is the fun part of life, I think. Not all of us uh, get to have the, the patriarchy in a family, right? I know your grandfather has been around and watched you grow into the man you are now and your dad as well. But how thought-provoking is that to think that maybe you'll have a chance to be in, in someone's lives? I mean, my dad passed away when I was only 25 years old. My grandfather when I was only eight, so I didn't get to have that. But I still remember them every day. But uh, from your perspective, do you ever think just how thought-provoking is that, just uh, thinking about the future and the influence you could have on a second generation of your family? Well, just like you say, my, my grandfather, I, I only had one grandfather in my life, and he, he passed when I was nine. And and so I ha- I still have memories of the early days, but – never really get that perspective of when you become a teenager and, and, and some of that intellect, some of that knowledge that they can share with you. 
um, I missed out on that. And, and so I look forward to having an opportunity to be that guy that, that gets to have those conversations with my grandson. So um, it, 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 we play a major role, right, in, in a lot of different ways um, when you talk about hierarchy in, in terms of our roles with, with the family. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of us that grow up with, you know, maybe one or two grandparents, never four. Um, and, and so when you have an opportunity to, to play that impactful role on a young life, you get excited about it and have fun with it. To uh, the president, some of the things that I've seen today, even just now, now on social media, specifically with you and your team and the mass and tweeting out pictures of selfies with guys wearing masks and saying, Hey, we want to have a season. How, how impactful a role do you think, you know, wearing the mask and that sort of thing in terms of just directly of having a basketball season? Like that's the point of this whole thing is to, to so, that, so that guys can play because that's what they want to do. And it seems like, you know, pretty easy thing to do, right, when you go out in public. Uh, one would think. Uh, you, you know, my time in Seattle, um, there were a lot of people wearing masks. Now, there were groups that weren't, but you go into grocery stores, there were more that were wearing them than not. Um, and, and I was staying home a lot, so I wasn't out as, as much, um, other than a Costco, Home Depot grocery store and a lot of masks were being wore there. Obviously in Costco, they're not going to let you in the door. Um, and then to come back to work, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, there weren't very many people wearing masks at work. My staff was, and it, it, it's interesting sometimes, you know, it, it, I think a lot of people don't wear a mask because maybe they feel awkward to be the minority with the mask on which is interesting with what's going on in the country right now that some people become minorities and never been one before. So they just don't wear one. Um, and as we, we've been in office now two weeks, as we start to have our players show up wearing masks and we're going into other people's offices wearing masks, you start looking up and there's quite a few more people in the building wearing masks now. Um, you know, obviously Bryn posted what she posted today and, They've been wearing masks down there. So so I, I think what happens is it, it becomes contagious. And now I, I think we're getting close to the point where the people who don't wear masks are now the minority. So I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, to me, though, the, the you know, we, it, it's kind of a joke, right, that we want to have a season and that's why we're going to wear the mask and whatnot. And maybe that grabs the attention of those that are sports fans that aren't wearing them. But the reality is, is we want to live and we want to shut this thing down. And, and that should be why we wear the mask. But obviously that reason isn't enough to get people to wear them. So maybe athletics does it. From a sports perspective, it's been a pretty uh, tumultuous last several months. But I think that all of us in the sports world, whether it's broadcasting or covering sports or, or coaching sports or whatever realm we might live in in the sports world, we're all planning on, or at least we're optimistic that we will have. And we're operating as if we will have a football season, a basketball season. You can't really do it any other way. But, I mean, what sort of specifics have you had to navigate with your team, making sure that they're staying healthy both mentally and physically, they're taking care of business? So much of basketball is personal accountability. How do you emphasize those sorts of things to your players when you aren't allowed to be around them nearly as much as you normally would? Well, once we broke, we, we, we tried to make sure most of our guys went home. And a couple guys stayed in Missoula, um, which was safer than maybe where they would have been going. But the reality was we just didn't want guys traveling, and we were hoping that – the guys that stuck around didn't look up in April where this thing was at its worst and then decide to fly. Um, and, and so we just pushed guys to get home and finish up the semester from home. Um, we thought that they'd be a little safer with their families. 
um, where they can maybe put a little pressure on each other uh, to stay safe as opposed to no supervision loose in, in Missoula. Um, the hard part is you don't know what they're doing. And, and so we common check-ins, you wear a mask, you social distancing. Yes. Yes. You stay at home. Yes. And then you start looking on Twitter and guys are posting pictures where they're with each other or, or we do a, a, a zoom call and they're sitting on the couch next to each other. And the answer is no, you're not social distancing. No, you don't have on a mask. Um, so for us, it's just over communicate these things and, and, and continue to remind them even now that they're back, you know, on occasion, a guy walk in our office with no mask on and they got to go back out and start over. So I, I think it's constant dialogue, but it's difficult when you're not continuously with each other um, to have any feel for what's going on or how guys are doing. So we just over communicate as much as possible and hope for the best. Travis DeCure joining us, head coach of the Montana men's basketball team. And, Coach, we've got a lot of basketball to get to, but I wanted to touch now because this is the first time we've spoken directly one-on-one since um, the, the death of Mr. Floyd and the, the, the movement and the protests that have happened throughout the country. I know you spent a lot of time talking about this at a lot of various places and to a lot of various people. Uh, specifically, I'm very excited for the New Angle podcast to come out with Justin Angle here in a couple of weeks. I think July 14th, that's going to be there. And I, I, I look greatly forward to encourage everybody to listen to uh, his podcast with, with Travis DeCure there. But what responsibility do you, do you think is incumbent upon yourself as a coach and coaches in general across sports to, to have something to say about this, especially when sports is – the most visible integration of races I think that we have in this country problem. Um, you know, we've, it's like we're walking around with a microphone attached to us. Once you become a head coach, once you put yourself in, in a leadership position, you constantly have a microphone on you and you, you have to, you have to use that, um, you know, in, in a lot of different ways, right? And, and we use it for like self-marketing, uh, self-marketing, program marketing, um, areas of strength for our programs, our universities we represent and whatnot. But also we have to use that microphone to support our student athletes, um, our peers, um, our employees, when we have that opportunity. And that's where silence sometimes is a negative. Um, whether you say something or you don't say something, you're making a statement, right? And I just have always believed that the guys that have had the courage um, to share their opinion on such a fragile topic um, have a more meaningful impact on others. And those that don't, lose opportunities to create um, a level of respect and trust in those that they're working with. And, and so, you know, some of us um, have helped others in these opportunities and some of us have lost um, those opportunities to, to, to make an impact on others. Ryan and I've talked a lot about this throughout the last couple of weeks on the show and um, so much of our job already has been to listen. And, and as somebody that grew up in Missoula, Montana, not a particularly diverse place, but uh, being involved in sports has let me get to know 
people from across the country, no matter what racial background you might have, guys that have become friends of mine, no matter where you're from, from completely different places, you know, from places like Virginia Beach, Virginia, or, you know, Lakeland, Florida, or, you know, Southern California or Seattle like yourself. And I think that's one thing that's really cut us so deep is just the fact that when you when you look at sports, it is the, the place where maybe there's the most harmony, where maybe people get along the best. Your team has been such a great example of that, of, of, of ways that guys can acclimate into a community that maybe they're not, they weren't used to before they got here, but then not only acclimate but make a huge impact in it. What sort of example do you hope that your team has set and, and, and continues to set uh, in terms of maybe showing people that don't have that opportunity uh, how you can come together for a greater good, whether it's sports or otherwise? Um, I think it's, I think that when you watch any team in sports um, have success or not have success and follow them close enough to see why they were good and why they weren't, you realize at the end of the day, it's really one thing. It's a group of individuals coming together that take their own personal um, achievements, goals, um, and set them to the side and create a level of expectation, a goal, a dream for the group. Um, and, and when they have success and accomplish it, then we as viewers have a chance to see so many people from so many different backgrounds come together and work together and have success doing it. And the reality is, is when you watch sports, when you watch Golden State Warriors, um, if you watch The Last Dance, you watch the Chicago Bulls, and, and if you follow that, those guys were so different in terms of their backgrounds and where they came from. And none of them had a similar background to their head coach. None of them had a similar background to the GM or the owner. They were all so different and they came together and dominated. Why? You know, Dennis Rodman was completely different than Michael Jordan, but they found a way to coexist. They allowed each other to be different as long as each individual person didn't lose sight on what they were trying to accomplish. Well, that's what our country is supposed to be. And it's not. We say it's the best country. It's the, it, we're the best. We're this, we're that, we're that. That's because we want to be that. So we just keep saying that as if it's going to happen. It's like a team showing up going, well, we got the best talent. We're going to win a championship. We're better than everybody. And you lose 20 games. Well, just because you said it doesn't make it true. You have to act like it. And so I think sports is an example of what it's supposed to look like. And, and I had a former player of mine, I've said this before, they say, when you look at our country, we, we, we look like a group of bad teammates. So page, or we, we, we don't know what the goal is of our coach. We know what he's trying to accomplish for himself, but we don't know what he wants for us. And, and whatever it is that he wants to accomplish doesn't fit all of us. We all won't be celebrating at the end of the day. And if you don't have some goals that we all enjoy celebrating, we can't work together. And sports shows you how to do that. Last question for me on this, Coach, but in the interest of listening and in general, I just offer you the floor. You, the audience you're speaking to right now, our audience is overwhelmingly white, uh, a lot of men, and usually pretty big sports fans too. So there's the demographic. And when we sit here and go, okay, well, what do we need to know from you as – an African-American for you is, you know, living your second home in Missoula, Montana, and what we can learn, what, what is that? What, what would you say to us as a group? 
I, I think the biggest thing is education. We have to educate ourselves about each other. And for us, it's a lot easier because when we, when we start school and from kindergarten to 12th grade, the black race is learning about the history of the white race, America, even other countries, right? But there's no one in the world that is truly learning about the history of the black race in America. It's not in a book, not in any book that's being taught in school. For one month every year, some teachers might YouTube a couple stories, order a couple Amazon books, and teach about a couple people. And it's the same people over and over and over. Harriet Tubman, Martin Luther King, and, and, and the peaceful um, protests, stances that were made, and here's the outcome of those. And then on March 1st, we move on like they never happened again. And the reality is, is that as a race, we played a very important role into where this country is now in terms of how it was built. And there's a lot of people that were behind the scenes on a lot of activities that took place that are very important moments that no one would ever know about. And that needs to be included into these books. So the reality and the answer to your question, because I kind of went around in a circle, to me, is exactly what we do as a program. When we travel and we check into a hotel, a kid from Australia is going to room with a kid from Oakland. A kid from Los Angeles is going to room with a kid from Bozeman. And every time we travel, we rotate those roommates. But you're never rooming with someone that has the same background as you because that's probably who you live with anyway, right? And it creates opportunities to make statements, watch things on TV that might lead to a conversation that you wouldn't naturally have sitting down at the table, eating dinner for 45 minutes. Um, it just allows guys to share experiences. And if you're in the same program for four years and guys come and go as they graduate and new groups come behind you, you leave the university of Montana after four or five years with an education, you never get in a book. And I think as a community, we owe that to each other is to educate each other. And sometimes these conversations will be uncomfortable, but they're necessary for us to move forward. And the reason it's 2020 and we're still having this conversation and the, and, and the protests are taking place the way they are. And there's a lot of people that don't understand how we got to this point is because they don't have an education on where we, where we are and where we started for a community to not know about Juneteenth until this year. Um, you throw out things like Jim Crow laws, black code. There's black people that don't know about these things, much less anyone else in America. Well, if you don't understand those things, you have no idea why we feel the way we feel about the police. And so it's all education. It's all shared information. Um, but until we get comfortable in rooms with one another and just having casual conversation that might lead into some of these types of things, change won't take place because we're not comfortable with where it might go. To tie all that back around to sports then, uh, Austin Rivers had an interesting comment last night. Somebody asked him, you think that the NBA championship this year should have an asterisk next to it because of the shortened season? He said, absolutely, I think they should have an asterisk next to it, but not because it's the easiest championship that we'd ever have to win, but because it's going to be the hardest that an NBA team would ever have to win. Not only do you have to take three to four months off, 
and then go back to playing. But also, you're, you know, in the NBA's perspective, you're going to be quarantined uh, in a place where you're completely separate from your family. But then you, you talk about the global pandemic, and you also talk about all the protests and the riots and Black Lives Matter and all these different things that can be distractions. So from a basketball perspective, the one place where African-Americans are the majority is going to be Division One college basketball and the NBA. How do you manage that mental strife that your players might be experiencing for the things that are going on in the world when it comes to how it might affect them on the basketball court? Two answers. One is, let's say the Lakers win the championship. Instead of an asterisk, there should be a highlight. And the reason of the highlight is because Avery Bradley's not playing. So one, they earned the championship. But we're going to highlight it because Avery Bradley should get a humanitarian award because he took that time off to help progress his people and have an impact in his community. Right now, he's having conversations with 14 to 21-year-olds in his community. And he's, he's decided that there's something more important than that title. And if that team wins without him, they both won. Right? That's two wins. And, and, and to me, that's perspective on what life is like being black. The reality is, yeah, it is going to be a little more difficult this year to compete under these circumstances, but not for the black athlete because our life has been like this our entire life. We were born into this adversity. So this is not a new conversation for us, right? It's the other people that are on our teams and on our staffs. This is new to them, and this could be hard for them. So, yes, it will be more difficult for a new group of people. Travis Secure joining us, head coach of the University of Montana men's basketball team. Coach, I know that you've talked now about having separation from your players. I know they're back in town now. But where are we at here the 1st of July in terms of basketball and, and the state of affairs with your team, your roster, from, from, a, from a, not just a health standpoint, but in a shape standpoint, cardio, tra- basketball skills, all that kind of stuff, how have they been in this time away? They've been on their own for a long time. And, and so the answer to the question is, I don't know. You, you know, guys have been posting videos. They tell you they're doing things. Some guys um, are a little more motivated than others um, that, that you kind of have a feel for. You know, they, they're probably showing up in shape and worked on some weaknesses or whatnot. And the others, it's kind of wait and see, right? Um, the biggest thing is, you know, every head coach talks about how much they love their players and their team and they miss their guys. And the reality is, is that you, you, you feel it in these types of situations because you're away from them for so long. And this week is the first week that they've been able to pop into the office. And so, you know, we've been in the office now for two weeks and Monday was, you know, the first time that guys start popping in and, and now guys are coming in here three, four times a day. And I miss these casual conversations. Um, you know, I, it's been a long time since I've been able to tell a joke face to face and tease guys um, and, and see them laugh and maybe have them fire back at me. And, and it's the casual conversation that we've been missing. And it's been all business for the last three months with this group in terms of finishing up the semester academically, um, taking care of business to register for classes. And so we haven't had that time um, that is relationship building. And, and so that's the biggest thing for us that right now is more important is playing catch up in that regard more so than who, 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 you know, can get up and down the floor, who can make an open shot and pass the ball. We'll get to that point. But right now I'm just enjoying having these guys pop in the office. You took the next question right out of my mouth. I loved your analogy of America being a, a team and we need to be on the same team and we need to find some sort of leadership to galvanize us so we can play together instead of playing separately 
But on that note, I mean, I think that your team, the roster, the talent's undeniable, but it's just a matter of how do you get it to fit all together, right? I mean, I think that's probably the number one question mark for Montana going this next year is who fills the rotation? How do those guys play with one another? Is there a way to cultivate that right now when you can't really be together like you normally would? Well, one of the biggest questions for us right now is leadership. Um, you have three seniors walk out the door that led in their own special way, had their own experiences that were very healthy for a young group. Now we, we don't return any, anyone that's ever been in a leadership role for the University of Montana, not one person. You have a sophomore that's played more minutes than anyone um, in, 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 in our group of returners. Now you have some transfers, you have some guys that, that sat out that are experienced just not in maroon and silver. So I, I think for us right now, we've got so many new faces and so many guys that are very talented um, that until we get on the floor together, split up in groups, create a competitive environment, we're going to have a hard time feeling out who can give us what, when. And so um, it looks like in a short period of time, there's going to be a high level of competition for an opportunity to get on the floor and, participate. Travis Secure, the head coach of the Montana men's basketball team, joining us. Coach, last question for me. Not talking about the starting five now, because you uh, you've had some great starting units in your time with the Grizzlies, but top to bottom, full roster. Well, you look through the, the names and the skill sets on here, it's pretty impressive. Is this is this the most talented total group that you've had since you've been at Montana? Probably. It's also the youngest. Um but, but I, I think if you go top to bottom, um, you know, one to 16, that you, you can make a valid argument that I don't know, you know, I don't know if the starting five is more talented, experienced than what we had in 18, 19, you know, and, and, and if you look at it, you got three guys that ended their careers in the top six in scoring one of which did it in three seasons. So there, there's some serious accolades for this young group to achieve, to become that talented when you look at your top five to, to, to eight guys, right? But you start going eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, I, I, I think that you're going to have a hard time finding a more talented young group whoever falls into those spots in, in that rotation. That, that's the best. The biggest thing about it is I, I think that one through eight was one through six were pretty much defined for three years here. And, you know, the rest of the guys are kind of fighting for, for, for seven, I mean, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Those, those things were pretty much interchangeable over two years. Um, whereas right now you, you, you can probably go ahead and take, you know, two or three guys and pull them out and say, all right, have at it. And and there's a guy that could maybe fall into the start lineup that very easily could fall down to 12. We'll get you out of here on this then. Optimistically, what is the next 30 days? What is the next 60 days hold for Grizz basketball? But what do you hope to get done? What can you get done? Well, best case scenario for us, um, make a lot of shots these next three weeks individually um, in small groups. Uh, we'll, we'll be testing these guys um, at least twice between now and the 20th. Um, if we're healthy, clean, 
clear uh, as of now, according to the NC2A, July 20th is the first day we can actually have interaction with them and, and pull the voluntary off of the workout and start putting these guys into some groups and getting after it, maybe teach a little bit, but, but if anything, just compete and, 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 and bang up against each other and not be afraid to do that. Um, and so then we'll have about a month of that before August 19th when school starts. And at that point we, we just continue. Usually you'd have 10 day window where we'd finish up the summer guys go home. They're on their own for 10 days, come back, school starts, build them back up again. And, and now we'll go straight through. So minus any speed bumps, um, this could work out where it's a smooth stretch right into non-conference with no breaks and, and maybe the buildups better. So um, we're, we're looking forward to, you know, right now just getting guys tested and, and seeing them get through a week or two with no one testing positive or positive. And then the biggest jump will be July 20th. If we can get everybody on the floor and start to have contact with one another and stay healthy through that before school starts. Travis, as always, we appreciate you, your perspective very much, and uh, are excited for what we hope is a smooth ramp into a season uh, that is going to be a very exciting one for Montana basketball. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me once again. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.